0: Praise God, brothers and sisters. I'm still a little bit nervous, my second time, still getting used to this. So, a couple months ago, me and Peter, we were sitting on the bus, uh, coming from, um, I think it was the rehab center, and we were with Upstream, and we were discussing this topic that, that I think was really, really like pertaining to us, and I think it was really important. At the time, and I still think it's important even now. And uh, Max texted me two days ago, and he said, "Andre, can you say a word on Tuesday?" And I said, "You know what? This is my opportunity to share what I've been wanting to share for the past couple months. So this is my opportunity, and I'm going to take it, and uh, I'm going to share what God has put on my heart." And uh, let's all open up to Mark chapter chapter nine verses thirty-three through thirty-seven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. So the point, the point of this passage, I believe, was, was Jesus was trying to teach his disciples about leadership, but it's leadership in an unconventional way, not the way that we understand leadership to be, not, not the way that we think greatness should be. He's, they asked, which one of us is the greatest? And Jesus told them this profound, yet um, for them, for the disciples, it was just probably baffling to them because they were arguing between themselves and they're saying, which one of, which one of us is the greatest? And Jesus told them, um, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. So each one of us, we all want to be great. I think, I think God put inside of us this desire to be great. It doesn't matter in wh- which sphere of our lives we want to be great in, but deep down inside of us, we're hardwired to want to be great. Like, if we're all honest with ourselves, we all want to be great somehow or another. You know, We want not only to be great, but we also want the greatest. You know, we want the greatest car. We want the greatest house. We want the greatest job. You know, we want the greatest you fill in the blank. We want the greatest. There's one small problem to this. We don't know the path in order to become great. We don't know this journey that it takes for us to become great. And uh, I know we've all been on road trips before. We've all taken road trips. We've all been to California and whatnot. And the thing about that is, um, we all want to get to California, but the 12 hour drive to get there is not, not fun for any of us. You know, the, the bus, you know, you're sitting there in two seats and you're just trying to into your roommate or whatever. And it's not fun, you know, the journey is not fun. The journey is not fun, but each one of us, we want to reach our purpose in life, and we're not willing to go through this process that Jesus said that we have to go through. So the story in Mark, I believe, was put there for a reason. And we see the disciples arguing between each other, saying, which one of us is the greatest? And uh, it's funny because... Jesus, when they get to Capernaum, Jesus asks him, What were you discussing on the way? And uh, I think that when Jesus asks somebody a question, he already knows the answer to the question. So, for example, Adam and Eve, where are you? You know, we're hiding. God already knew. So, uh, Jesus asks him, What were you discussing on the way? And he said, He took the 12 disciples and he said, If anyone must be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And the disciples couldn't understand this. How can they? They're walking with with the greatest man who ever lived and they're saying to themselves, we must be the greatest because we're walking with the greatest. We must be the greatest people in all of Nazareth, and all of Israel, because we are walking with the one who is the greatest. We are walking with the one who is, you know, the Lion of Judah, the Lord of Lords, the Prince of Peace. We're walking with him. So that means we must be like him. We must be the greatest like him. And Jesus said, no, wait a minute. Jesus said, if anyone must be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And the way that the world shows us the greatness is not the way that Jesus wants us to see greatness. You know, the world shows us greatness as as, as um, how should I put this, um, The world shows us greatness through the prism of sin. We see greatness, but due to the sinful nature that's inside of us, we see something else that is not what Jesus wanted us to see. You know, the the world wants us to see that in order for us to be great, we have to be known. We have to be, we have to be like the most famous, the most popular. We have to be, um, you know, the most liked on Instagram or the most liked between our friends. And, um, you know, the world wants us to think that uh, in order for us to become greater, We are to become more known. We are to become more famous. We are to become better than everybody else around us. We are to be, you know, just better than everybody. But Jesus said, wait a minute, wait a minute. If anyone must be first, he must be last of all and servant to all. And he continues saying this message. um, Whoever whoever must be great, he he must be first. Wait a minute. If anyone must be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. So, you know... We try to validate ourselves by saying, uh, um, I have this car, I have this house, I have this job, I have all this money, and I must be great because I have all of these worldly things. But Jesus said, um, to be great is not, not to have material position. To be great is not to be acknowledged by the people around you or the world or the people that are on the other side of your phone screen. That's not what validation is. That's not what it means to be great. To be great, in order to be great, you have to be a servant to the people that are around you. You have to be a servant to to um you know to your brother to people that are lesser than you you have to be you have to be a servant and uh the disciples they were arguing between themselves they were saying which one of us is the greatest and um and uh hold on a sec i'm getting lost here um, this this thought that I had was that if you're an, unable to serve others then leadership isn't, isn't meant for you. If you're not able to stoop down low and say, hey, I want to be, I want to be, you know, outside, you know, um, sweeping up the concrete or whatever. I'm going to be in here putting up chairs because I want to serve others. I want to be here and serve others. I don't want to just come here and, you know, be the soloist or, or, you know, say the greatest message or anything, but we want to be serving others. So let me, let's turn to Philippians. Um, Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 8. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. This verse just really, really touched my heart. We see Jesus, the greatest man that ever lived on earth, and he came down, he stooped down from greatness. He came and said, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. You know, he didn't count this great, great thing to be grasped, you know. Uh, he said, um, he, he, he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man. He came down to earth, came like us, and decided, you know what, I'm going to serve these people because they are lost. They are, you know, living in sin. And this brings me me to my next verse, which is found in Romans chapter 5, verse 6 through 8, which tells tells us that, um, but God shows his love for us in that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. So, Um, Jesus, he gives us this pure example that in order for for him to be glorified, he had to come down, he had to stoop down, he had to take the form of a man with a sinful nature, even though he he was without sin himself. uh, And he said, I'm going to serve these people. I'm going to show them the pure example of what it means to be great. I'm going to show them the pure example of what it means to be a, a Christian here on earth. And The second part of of the verse that I I read, um, uh, uh, in Mark chapter 9, it says, And he took a child, and he put him in the midst of them. And taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. So, we all have nephews. We all have uh, nieces. We all have little brothers and sisters. And... I'm just going to say this. Um children, they don't always show you respect. They don't always honor you. They can't repay you with anything even though you give them all this stuff. You 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 treat them like they're kings, but yet they they don't give anything in return, you know? They don't they don't um they don't show any, you know, respect towards, towards you as a, as a as a person that is greater than them, you know? And Jesus says, um if, if anyone receives one of these children in my name, receives, receives me. And whoever receives me, receives not me, but him who sent me. So Jesus was telling the disciples, you know, if you can serve one of these children, if you can serve one of these people that are less than you, if you can serve one of these people that, that won't be able to say thank you, they won't be able to repay you with something, they won't be able to, to say a thank you in return, they won't be able to um, uh, honor you with anything, Jesus said, then you received the one who sent me. And uh, I'm going to read uh, the next chapter. It's in uh, Mark chapter 10, verses um, 42 through 45. Uh, here, I'll just give it a little bit of a, of a background of what happened. So James and John, the sons of Ze- Zebedee, uh, they were... They are also arguing between each other, and they came up to Jesus, and they said, uh, Jesus, we ask you of one favor. We ask you one thing. And Jesus said, yeah, I'll do anything for you guys. And uh, they said, Grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. And Jesus said, You did not know what you are asking. You know, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized? And they said, we are able. And, uh, Further down in verse 42, it says, Jesus called to them and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever must be first among you must be slave of all. And verse 45 is the most important verse out of this, this little section. It says, For even the Son of Man... Him not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. So over and over again, we see, we see how Jesus is just, is just telling His disciples, you know, in order for you to, to turn this world upside down as they did in Acts, it, say, it says that in order for them to, to become great, to become these great men of, men of God that will eventually like create this church and they would be able to you know spread and and become so many Christians they said they first had to humble themselves they first had to serve the people that were around them that were less than them and um Jesus was the perfect example of this and he kept pounding this into their heads saying you have to be a servant to to uh to the one that is less than you you have to be a servant to all you have to be you have to become last in order to become first so I'm going to give a little example here let's say Actually, I'm not going to give that example. Um, so the path to leadership is through serving others. You know, to be a servant leader is to be like Jesus. So if you want to be more like Jesus, if you want to be the pure example of what it means to be a Christian, and what it means to, to serve God, and what it means to be great, we have to learn how to serve the people around us. We have to learn how to humble ourselves. And I know it's kind of hard for us Russians to get that into our heads, you know, humbling ourselves, you know. How can I humble myself when I'm driving up with the Mercedes, the the 2018 one, to church, you know. Like, I can't really do that, you know. But Jesus said you have to become last in order to become first. You have to be serving the people that are around you. You have to be a servant to all. And uh, I just want to leave you guys with that thought. It's a great thought to have. And I believe that if if you take this with a grain of salt, um, Jesus will be able to work through you and to take you to places that you've never thought you would end up, you know. Um, just being able to serve others is a great thing. And Jesus really taught us this in his word. And um, let's all just kneel down and pray and say, God, you know what? Let us be more like you. Let us humble ourselves and let us um, uh, be, the, be last and be a servant to all. So, amen. God, we come before you, Lord, in this evening lord and we thank you god that you give this opportunity father to kneel before you god and to just seek your face to seek your presence father to seek who you are jesus to become more and more like you god to become conform to your image jesus and now we ask you father let us humble ourselves before you god let us let us serve others lord as you taught us to lord let us become last as you taught us to lord let us be servants to all as you taught us to father help us lord jesus god Become more and more like you, God. Be conformed to you, Jesus. Not to this world. Lord. Let us see this world through your eyes, Jesus. Let us see this world through the prism that you gave us, Lord, in your word, Jesus. I pray this, Father, in your mighty name, Lord. Bless the rest of this evening, Father. Bless the people that are going to preach after me, Lord. Bless the songs that will be to your glory, Father. And we give you praise for all things, Lord, because you are worthy. In your name, we pray. Amen. Good evening, youth.
1: Nice to see um, the amount of you here that there is. If you could please turn to James chapter 3. I'm going to be reading from the King James. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, We put bits in the horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold, also the ships, which though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth! And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. Of every kind of beasts, and of birds, and of serpents, and of the things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God, out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either of vine figs? So can no fountain, both yield salt water and fresh. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envies and strife in your hearts, glory not, and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Amen.
2: Well, I would like to greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If some of you need seating, we have plenty of space over here on the second, third, fourth row, and on the first row as well. So, if you are gathering back there as well, you may be seated. I would like to make a few announcements. In two weeks, we have a trip to California with the youth choir. If you are familiar with it, the bus is going. And the following weekend, after the trip to California, which is the 21st, 22nd, I believe, the next weekend, starting Saturday morning, Philip. And I are starting our Bible studies again Saturday morning. So if you live, whether it's in Tacoma or wherever you may be, our house, my house is located in Graham on 224th and Meridian. If you would like to come for breakfast, Bible studies at 8 in the morning at my house, you are more than welcome to come. You will find it on the brochure on the back where it says join a group. Amen? Amen. So if you, I know several have been asking for that, and we took a summer break because of all the camps and mission trips and so on, but finally we're starting to settle down, and with California being the last thing, we're going to start up again, okay? Okay, with that being said, with those announcements, I would like to say a few comments on the previous sermon by Andre. Andre, God bless you. He mentioned a few things such as leadership, and here's something I would like to share. A few days ago, Friday and Saturday, I went with my wife and kids and a few youth from church to a conference in Ocean Shores. It was an American conference with Todd Friel. He was there. And as he was speaking in his sermons, one of the things he mentioned was this. He says, the world teaches how to raise a family and children. And it goes like this, a conservative from some conservative channel personally said something on the lines of, if you have children, you need to always be an authority over them and you can't be their friend, you have to be an authority as they are growing up and you have to show that you are the parent and so on and so forth. On the flip side, you have the liberals, which I heard in college say, well, when I have a child, I'm going to be my daughter's best friend. But then you have scripture which teaches even more, it teaches to serve. And I really, really like that because ultimately, if we look at our parents, and if they are good parents, you'll see how they served us from the time we're born till, well maybe even now, right? And clothing, feeding. And so on and so forth. The list can go on. Alright? Apostle Paul said in Scripture, if I have food and clothing, I'm content. Is that what he said? Food and clothing? Well, with that point made, let's stand for prayer. I usually like to pray before my sermon. and Let's ask for the Lord's blessing. Lord, we thank You for the time that You've given to us. By Your mercy and Your grace, we are present and we stand before You and we thank You. And we praise you, Lord. Make me small and make yourself big, Lord. May your word penetrate through our hearts and our minds, Lord. And may it be that seed that is planted. And where the seed is planted, Lord, may you water it, Lord. And wherever there's watering, you, God, cause all things to grow, Lord. And I thank you and I praise you, Lord, that you blessed us. And helped us arrive here safely at this time. Thank you for everything. Bless your word. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. You may be seated. My question for you tonight is this. Who here knows what grafting is or graft? We hear of the term skin graft, but what about a plant grafted or a tree grafted? Any idea? Anybody would like to share? That's all right. What about pruning? What is pruning about? What does it mean to prune? I see this, right? (laughs) Okay, good. That describes it, right? You don't even need to say anything. It's like uh, the quote uh, somebody said, "I I preach very little, but often with my actions. Something like that, so... Here you go. Yes, pruning means this, snipping, cutting. Alright, so Scripture speaks about grafting and it speaks about pruning. And there was something that's on my heart that I've wanted to share, and here you'll find it. If you open to the book of Romans, chapter 11, verses 11 through 24, that is Romans, chapter 11, verses 11 through 24, if you have your Bible, please open it. If you don't, you can follow along on the screen. It goes like this, Romans eleven, eleven. So I ask, did they stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles, so as to make Israel jealous. Now, if their trespass means riches for the world, and in their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their inclusion mean? Now I am speaking to you Gentiles, inasmuch then as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry, in order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous, and thus save some of them. For in their rejection means the reconciliation of the world. What will their acceptance mean but life from the dead?" If the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. Note then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in His kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. And even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in. For God has the power to graft them again. For if you were cut from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree? Amen. Do we all understand what's written in here? Yes? You know, it's a fascinating passage. I've read it over and over. And recently, I've... Been reading it, and as I drive to farms in eastern Washington, I really see this being done. I had the privilege, and by God's grace, I toured a farm and I saw some of this. And as I was looking at these orchards, this scripture was coming to my mind. And I told the farmer, just like in the Bible grafted. Yes, yes, yes. What does it mean to graft? Here's a few questions for you. What or who is the root, first of all? What or who is the root in here? And why not get rid of the root and have a new root system? Why is there being, uh, the, to- why is the topic of grafting into a root that's existent? Why not have a new root overall? Rip out the old, put in the new. Let's look into further, ask some of these questions to yourself, and and here I'll explain to you how grafting works. Let's go to the next slide. This right here is a tree. We're going to learn some nature today, all right? This is good for us. You see that little stick, number A? You see how it's trimmed at the bottom into a V shape, right? Then you look at the diagram B, and that is a root or a stump. And so these two sticks that were slit, made into a V, are put into the stump that is also made into a V to kind of allow it to come in. And so as you press it in, the branch that is being grafted into the stump connects so the nutrients have an easy flow through it. And then you take a look at diagram C and that right there on the tips of the roots and on the tips of the branches and on the the edge or the top of the stump is covered with wax or a special paint. What does that do? First of all, what that does is it, it covers the exposure that the stump is left to. So that wax covering covers and protects the top. And it also protects the branches. So, all of a sudden, you have an understanding that when the branches are put into the stump and the exposing surface is covered with wax, the stump, which has the root in the ground system, is able to concentrate all of its energy into those branches. Right in there. And so those branches that are protected from the top are now able to grow. And what these branches do, they become into trees later on. So if you have an orchard, you have lines of trees, instead of uprooting your old and putting in new trees, you can just cut off the stump and root them in. You can graft trees in to what you have. And so the root that is already there and existing, it's watered. And all the energy that is concentrated starts to look something like this. This is more of a, uh, a not mo- it's modern, yes, you'll see this out there. So you see how there's about, let's go back, let's go back. You see how there's about five or six or seven of those branches that are stuck onto the root? All those will start shooting up and forming into their own trees. And as they're being formed, Right? The farmer is able to use and shape and do whatever he wants, and we're going to get into that right now. But my question is this. We read the book of he- Romans here, and Apostle Paul, being a lawyer himself, I don't think he was much of a farmer. I don't see that in Scripture. He was a tent maker. However, people understood this kind of stuff at that time. Not as much so in our time. Because we, we don't really work with this, unless it's your job. My question to you is this. Why were we grafted into Christ? Why were we grafted into the root that was existing? Did you ever think of this? And did you ever think that I'm such a wonderful person, I just accepted Christ on my own and that was it? No. Do you know it's God who gave the root and we are supportive of Him? I like the example that was brought up earlier, a little child. He may disrespect the older person, but that child needs the older person to take care of him. The small child needs the parents to take care of the child. And in this sense, when we look at something like this, we see the root system, we see that, And we are grafted into God. But let's take a step back. What does the whole Bible show of this story? Apostle Paul here is trying to make a point when he's speaking to the early converts who are in Rome. He says, please, I'm paraphrasing, consider what you think, because if Israel had disbelief and God cut them off, And threw them away, and he did that to allow you to be grafted in. Now what do we do then, or what have we done in order to deserve that? What have you or I done to deserve to be grafted into God's root? Because really, if we think about it, Scripture is clear. The Israelites were the ones who received the law. They received the salvation from God. They received received the, the, the sacrifices, and they received the tabernacle, and they received the secrets that God gave them. They received all that, and yet what did they do with it? What did they do? They were given the whole root system, and they were growing. What did they do? They disobeyed, they didn't believe, they began to practice sin, and God cut them off. And it says, by His grace, He allowed them to trespass and stumble, so that you may be grafted in. You know, I get perplexed when I think about this. Yeah, but that's God's mercy and grace towards us, amen? Amen. It's God's grace and mercy that He allowed us to be grafted into Him in the first place. We Gentiles have no part of what the Israelites received. We have no part of that. Yet God, by His grace and mercy, by the gospel, by the blood of Jesus Christ, allowed us to be grafted in. And so we grow. And so my question to you is this. Are you grafted in Christ? Do you personally know if you are grafted in the root system of God because God's root is holy remember God's holy and we read that because God is holy and we also read that when when the first of the dough is presented as a first fruits the whole lump is accepted that was when when the priests would come with the first of the offerings the first of their fruits that they received from the field, and they presented it to God. They said, here's my first fruits. God accepts it. If God accepts that, He accepts the whole harvest. Understand that when we are grafted in this root in God, that we are His children. We sing the song today, for I am a child of God. And that brings great joy yet also some sternness. And because you are a child of God, that means you're grafted into Him. And if you are grafted into Him, are you living a life as a child of God? Are you living a life that is holy and pleasing to God? Because if you're not, then it says in Scripture, beware God's kindness, yet His sternness is shown here. Because just as He cut off Israel, don't be prideful. He can do that to you too. He can. If He gave us the root to be grafted in the first place, then He is sovereign and He is able to cut us if we are in disbelief. Now, as we keep this in mind, let's go on to the next slide. Remember, remember here how the trees grow? The small branches are put in into the root. And I like that photo. Let's go to the next slide. And this slide, you know, I really enjoy this picture. It's a small branch, and yet even a smaller one being put in by a hand that is able to do that. You know, I look at that and I think, oh, Lord, I must be so tiny in your strong, mighty hand. And still you put it in. You put it into that branch. Isn't that God's grace? Isn't that God's mercy? Amen? Amen. Let's continue going to the next slide, please. This right here is an olive tree. We sometimes read, and we read today, ah, we read in James, right, about olives and figs, right, not coming from the same tree. Well, what about this? We hear the, the stories of Christ being in the Mount of Olives, The olive orchards, that's a big tree. Yet scripture says that we are a wild olive tree. And yet those wild olive branches which we were, by God's grace, he put us into the one that was cultivated already, into his word. Let's go on to the next slide. Aha, now here it is. Now that we Gentiles are grafted in by God, what does he do in our lives? He prunes us. He prunes us. What is pruning? It's this. Let's open up to the book of John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 15. John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. I apologize, it is not 1 through 15. John, chapter 15, 1 through 5. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. I am the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me and I in him. He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Amen. We end there. Apart from God, we can't do nothing. Apart from God, we cannot be grafted in. And apart from God, we cannot be the vine. When he is, Christ is the vine, we are the branches. Without God, we can't do there that or be there. So now let's take a look at what pruning does. Who here has experience with pruning? Does anyone know? Yeah, one, two, three, a few of us. Yeah, I I do too. I've been learning actually. And this is what pruning does. Let's take a look at this photo right here. You see that tree. You see how they kind of made it into an angle, a triangle up top with a tree trunk in the bottom of it. Well, all those extra branches are snipped, 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 snipped. What happens with those branches that are snipped? You go to the orchards, this happens in the springtime, as well as grafting happens in the springtime, because, fun fact for you, that's the highest amount of sap going through the trees and through the trunks. So because all those nutrients are going through, they're able to prune in the, su- in the springtime, and that gives a lot of uh, nutrients to the branches and the trees that are being trimmed and so on and so forth. But pruning does this. It cuts off old, unneeded, dead, diseased branches. Remember the I mentioned that God is holy and his root system is holy and we are grafted into it. And because he is holy, those who are grafted and and the branches that are growing, you'll see on trees often sometimes they become dead or diseased. Unholy. What happens to those? Snip. Well, what about those who produce no fruit? Snip. And once they get snipped, they're thrown into the fire. Who does the pruning in our lives? God the Father. And you know, I'll be honest, we sing, I have mentioned this, we sing, I am a child of God. If you are a child of God, you will be pruned in your life sooner or later. And it hurts. It hurts. God, why do you have to touch my life there? It hurts. Don't don't cut me there, Lord. He says, nope, I know what I'm doing for you. God, don't, don't snip that sin for me. I enjoy it. You said, you are my child. Because you said you are my child. Because I grafted you in. Because you are my child, I will prune you. And just like those branches that were, pruned, that were grafted into the root and three, four, six grow at a time, the farmers like to do this. They'll give it a few years. They'll see how they're growing. They prune them on the sides, and the reason they prune when they're smaller is so that those trees can concentrate to have more growth. If the trees are very young and they start budding with small buds, little flowers, the farmers can come up and pluck all those little flowers off and the tree says to itself, oh, I have no flowers. That means I'm not producing fruit. I'm going to concentrate on growing upwards. Farmers do that if the tree is young. Or if the farmer decides, you know, I would like larger fruit on this tree this year. Springtime comes around, he takes off 50% of the buds. And the other 50% are left. And that produces a larger fruit instead of a more quantity amount. But smaller fruit. In our lives, it's very similar. You may think, God, I'm ready to do something huge in life. He says, No, you're young. You're a young tree. You just got grafted in. I'm going to give you a few years. And as soon as you think you start producing fruit, I'm going to pluck those flowers off you, so that you can grow and mature. And if that's not enough, I'm going to give you more years. And if all of a sudden you have dead branches coming off you that are diseased, well, nothing dead could be attached to holiness. I'm going to prune you there. And I'm going to prune you in that place because the disease that is found in that branch cannot trace back into the tree or the tree will die. And the others will be affected by it, so snip. And I don't want you growing in that aspect of life, and I don't want you doing that because that's not my will, so I'm going to prune you there, 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 and make you grow upwards, and just like these farmers, they go and they check three, four trees growing, that one's not doing so good, but those are, I'm going to cut this one off so that more energy is channeled into those that are actually growing, and if there's no fruit, well, you know what happens, Let's go next slide. Christ himself said that he is the vine, we are the branches, that we produce fruit. If you are in Christ, and you are a branch, where's the fruit? If you are maturing in Christ, you need to have fruit. We saw it in the book of James today that we need to have good fruits. Just some practical things to look at all of this that we spoke about. All the grafting and all the pruning. Yeah, it hurts. It hurts. We are in Christ. We are given salvation by Christ alone. Nothing that we could do, nothing we did to deserve it or earn it. It is solely upon the grace of Christ and by the blood that he shed on the cross. Amen. Nothing, nothing do we do to deserve it. The only thing that we deserve as children of God is to be pruned by Him. And if you are being pruned by Him, praise be to God. Ask yourself the question, where is God pruning me in my life today? And then ask yourself, well, if God is not pruning me in my life today, am I His child? We as Christians, we can't have any addictions. Did you know that? And personally... The Lord has been convicting me. I've been, I've been getting off coffee. Yes. You may think, oh, that's so simple. I know, but I'm stepping away from it. And, and by God's grace, He's helping me. He's been very gracious and kind towards me for that. That's my personal thing. And if you look into your life, look at yourself right now and think, in the past five years, have I grown as a Christian? Am I growing in Christ? Am I maturing in Christ? Is He pruning me in the past five years? Or is there some time, or is there a time in my life where He starts, where He needs to start pruning me? All this is for us Christians. And it's only by God's grace He does that so that we can enter into His kingdom and stand back and look at that say, wow, that was my life, and I see nothing but trimmings all around me. I see nothing but prunes all around me. And if we see that, and praise the Lord. If you don't see that, come to Christ today. If you don't know that if you're grafted in Christ or not, come to Christ today. And ask yourself the question, well, if I am in Christ, but I don't know, I don't have the evidence or the assurance, then ask yourself, do I want to sin? Do I want to please Christ? Do I want to live a holy lifestyle? A Christ-like life that He's called me to do? If you're answering these questions as yes, you're on the good track. And if you look at yourself and see in the past five years, progression towards being more Christ-like, then yes, that's progress. And all of us here, according to the book of Timothy, it says that others may see your progression, your growth in Christ. It is important. So keep this in mind. And if you are in Christ, and if you know that you were pruned, and you know without a doubt, and you're assured and you see evidence that you are grafted into Christ, then praise Him. And continue to thank Him. But if you are not... Ask him, Lord, graft me into you. Graft me, Lord. You are that foundation. You are that root which we are put into, built upon. Strengthen me, Lord, and accept me. And ask the Lord to accept you. Amen. Let's stand for prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that it is only the surface which we have skimmed and I thank you and I praise you, Lord, that your word is simple enough for us to understand. It is simple enough for a child to understand, yet it is deep enough for a theologian to get lost in the Lord. But your word is so true and perfect, Lord, and you teach us according to your word. Teach us according to your statutes, O oh Lord. And we thank you and we praise you, Lord, that Apostle Paul is... Pen the words in the book of Romans and he did that by the guidance of the Holy Spirit. For it says so in your word and we thank and we praise you, Lord, that no man has been carried on his own but he was carried by the Holy Spirit to write. And we thank you that your word has no mistakes or errors. We thank and we praise you, Lord, that this message is still so relevant to our time right now, Lord. We thank and we praise you, Lord, and I ask in the name of Jesus Christ... For those who are not grafted into the root which you have spoken of, Lord, may you graft them yourself. Holy Spirit, speak to the hearts of those who are not grafted into you. Speak to the hearts that are not the branches connected to the vine. For Christ, you are the vine. And you, O Father, may you graft them in. You, Holy Spirit, guide into all truth and lead into all truth. That truth is Jesus Christ, hallelujah. For Christ, you are that truth. And I thank you and I praise you, Lord, that we are able to glorify and praise your holy and righteous name. Those who are not producing fruit, O Lord, may you prune them that they may produce fruit. Those who are dead, Lord, may you make alive again. And those dead parts, those dead sins in our life and sin leads to death, Lord, may you trim that in our life that we may be growing as a Christian. Not concentrating on the things that are not needed, but concentrating on the growth and maturity in You, Jesus Christ, and in Your Word. We thank You, Lord, for the time. By Your mercy and Your grace, we are able to gather together and worship and praise Your name and, and grow in Your Word. I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, may You continue to cause all things to grow. And those, Lord, who are grafted and those who are pruned, Lord, Oh, Lord, may you continue to cause all things to grow, Lord. And we thank you, Lord. If there is sin, if there is addiction in lives here who are present, Lord, may you prune those and perform surgery, Lord, that the tree itself, the branch itself may survive and produce fruit. Thank you, Lord, for the time that you've given to us. And to you be the glory in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.